Welcome to the continued podcast adventures of Superhero Speak. But I think many of the people that love this character and that love superheroes in general have used these stories as inspiration to say, you know what, I'm going to do something good in the world. I'm going to make a difference like my hero when I was a kid. That is my fondest memory of it because when, you, when you're doing comic books, you want them to affect people. Right. You want people to care. You want, you want to strike emotions. And I knew that that clone saga was striking a lot of emotions. Can you yeah. imagine uh, Pulp Fiction starring Goofy and uh, Mickey Mouse? I can totally <laughs> imagine that. You I'm sure somebody's written that one. Pounder with cheese and France, Mickey. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, ale with cheese, Mickey. Yeah. <laughs> I can totally see. I, I, would, I would watch the hell out of that movie. Yes, I gladly saw, sacrifice at my. my progeny to you of a mighty marvel beast <laughs> <laughs> but neil adams is somewhere going mm, it's, it's my time uh, <laughs> how do you measure success let's get started hey <clears throat> oh my goodness oh, right again. Some... no no that's staying puberty is puberty came in early huh <laughs> Hey, <laughs> welcome to Superhero Speak. I'm your host, Dave. And John. And JV. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yes, I'm, I finally have puberty, everyone. It only took 47 years. Good Lord. Some <laughs> people are just late bloomers. Yes, yes. So how's everyone doing, JD? How are you? Man, I'm pretty good. I had, a, like I said last week with the Kickstarter, we started off kind of slow, and this week's been great. I've already exceeded my highest drawing. The you know, Harvest Moon outdrew uh, Sundown, so we're all, and we're already like 500 bucks up on that. I'm a hundred dollars away from hitting three grand, which is for me the best I've ever done. And we're running till Friday afternoon, so I think uh, I know it's the highest grossing, and I got a lot of friends that are waiting for the last sec to jump on board. So. I think it's realistic we can knock on the door of four thousand bucks with this campaign. So it's I'm pretty happy with it. That's for me, that's a lot. So yeah. Everyone is getting better. And as we speak, I'm getting ready to launch the next one in July because that's what I'm doing. Now I'm quarterly and I'm planned for I'm planned up for a year. Ah, kind of like Marvel. Wait. Later. <laughs> and I've got a recommendation for the end of the show. Oh. I didn't watch Moon Knight, but the kid wanted to watch something that is show appropriate, and I think you guys will like it. Okay. Cool. I think how John about, will like it actually. John will like it specifically. How about you, John? What is what is new with you? Nothing new. I got the uh, I before the just just after this whole pandemic started, I had gotten the shingles uh, vaccine, and I had forgotten about that. And you're supposed to get a booster, so mm. I got the booster on Thursday. So Friday and Saturday are kind of a blur, <laughs> but I do remember sitting down and and thinking to myself, I literally have watched all of the new spring anime and YouTube. I reached the end of YouTube somehow. I got to, I got to finish Moon Knight. So yeah. So I watched the rest of Moon Knight and uh, feeling better now, but you know, didn't get anything done that I wanted to over the weekend, which was fun. How does one reach the end of YouTube? What is at the, and what is at the end of YouTube? Is that like the end of the rainbow? For, for me, the end of YouTube is basically I have exhausted all of the channels that I watch with the exception of one, but they're hour long episodes. And I I tend to reserve those for, you know, night times and all that, but yeah. And, and all of the, see the problem with YouTube and all of these streaming services now is their recommendation engines are P 
pigeonholing everybody. So like, I don't, I, YouTube almost has no way for you to actually explore what else. It's like uh, Netflix. There's no way to see what else is out there because everything they, every channel that they've created for you is specifically designed for you. Like I go onto Netflix and all I see is anime and animations and, you know, Mm -hmm. maybe some sci-fi stuff, but I can't, there's no way to discover stuff that you want to watch that you wouldn't have watched before, you know? Right. You can't, you can't browse anything. So YouTube's kind of gotten to the same way. And so like all of their, I'm at the point now where everything that they suggest, I'm like, not interested, not interested. And and they, they just, but they keep giving me the same stuff and I can't find anything new anymore. So I, I, you know, I just, that's what reaching the end is for me. It's like, how, how do you break out of that? I don't know. You just get a second channel, but even then within a week, you're pigeonholed again. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I never thought about that before, but that is the problem with recommendation algorithms is that eventually you're just going to see the same things over and over again. And like the only thing in YouTube I know of is to go to what's trending, but even I'm not, but I'm not interested in a lot of what's trending, you know, Mm -hmm. because my, my, my interests are geek and niche and all that. So, but, but you know, that's like literally everything else you look at YouTube is governed by that freaking engine and, you can't break out of it. Yeah, that sucks about the algorithm, man. It's the algorithm is they want to show you what they think you want, but how do you know? Like, you know, they don't get to discover anything. Like, they're so busy in telling you what they think you would like to see that they don't realize that people have interests. Sometimes they want to see something different. Like, because my my YouTube is weird because it's me and my kid that are always looking at stuff. Yeah. So we get I get crazy suggestions with things, and a lot of them are appropriate. But yeah, like you said, like unless I put something into the search engine specifically. It's hard to it's hard to discover something. Yeah, like every once in a while, like a romantic comedy. I can't find a romantic comedy on Netflix anymore because that's not one of my main interests that they want to keep pushing at me. You know, it's ridiculous. When when I bought the uh, Google View, I think it's called. It's you know like the Alexa, but it's Google's version, and it's got a screen on it, so you can watch videos and stuff on it. I bought that for my. Uh, mother my brother ended up taking it because my mother didn't really want to use it and when i initially set it up i set it up with just used my account just to get it working so every once in a while i'll be on youtube and oh no right (laughs) he watches these train videos where they go to other countries and they go on a train and they tour the country on the train so they'll pop up in my suggestions now or uh disney videos like where to stay when you go to disney like I don't watch any of these. Yeah. So that's the, that's the key. Share your login with other people. Oh, wait. <laughs> I mean, it's true. That's the best way to find stuff and learn about new things is to like explore, invent, explore things with other people. But what's well, the only way to get the, the search engine to start looking for other stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Is to, I, and you know, but I mean, the algorithm was it Amazon's prime is horrible. The interface it's horrible in and of itself let alone its mm-hmm. algorithm and then disney well disney plus is easy because you only got like four options but uh everything else is like hardcore pushing you into this niche and i am so it's that abusive, was hmm? it's abusive. Yeah. i get it yeah so uh, you know but i i i may i so i did watch the i did watch the rest of moon night except for the last episode which hasn't aired yet right Right. No, that's this one yeah. coming up. So so it may it may be colored a little bit by a fever dream and 
Moon Knight was already a fever dream, so my recollection is going to be really interesting. Oh, yeah. Right. <laughs> After you, good sir. I'm 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 doing all right. I I realized that I'm old. <laughs> oh man, you know, so, wow, that really seems come real quick after puberty. Apparently, my my. <laughs> so so yesterday was my son's birthday. He turned twenty. Wow. So that's first thing that makes you feel old. And then we went and celebrated at my mom's on Friday. So that was you know going there and everyone came over. You know had had a little bit of a party. Then Saturday, my granddaughters, again, makes me feel old, were playing in their first t-ball game. So I had to get up early for that. Then since it was my son's birthday, I had to come home. He wanted to play in a Yu-Gi-Oh tournament. So it was just the local comic book shop. But like I was like, all right, let's go. We went over and I, I shopped while he played and spent way too much money at the comic book shop, as usual. And then it, my girlfriend's son as it goes to the Center for Performing Arts High School and, and Academy for Performing Arts High School in Philadelphia. And he did a painting that's being featured at, I think it's called Pier 54 downtown. It's at like an art center downtown. So they, they all these kids were chosen from across the city and all their paintings were put up in this in, for display for the month. And they were doing like a, a whole presentation or whatever. And that was seven o'clock that night. So like, so after the tournament, I had to run home, eat something real quick, then go go down and do that and by the time my head hit the pillow i was out and i'm like i can't do this anymore but you know it was a good weekend cool just felt old by the time it was over <laughs> yeah i can't tomorrow's do that anymore wife's, tomorrow's hmm? my wife's birthday ah is she 20 she'll be 23 7 27 <laughs> yeah whatever makes her the least angry yes i love her very much <laughs> she's finally on board with the beard too it's surprising with dinner night we were talking about it and she said that she wants to get some like apparently there's an eyebrow type of like stuff that you can use to like stimulate your hair follicles and your eyebrows i had no this sounded like like what? comic book science to me yeah that's what i said so she wants to try because i can't grow anything underneath my nose like the bridge of my nose there's she no puts eyebrows under your nose no, no, well like so some type of, <laughs> it could work that's what i thought she was going with this at first like there's something that I can put here that's supposed to stimulate hair growth follicles. So I'm gonna try it so I can complete my beard. That they have weird. You can also get those things with like the little spikes on them. That's supposed to stimulate it as well. You you guys you roll are it so over your face. You guys are so lucky that you can grow actual beards. When mine comes in, it looks like it looks it, like teenage scruff. No matter how much hair I have. This, this is an actual the, beard. The, let's be frank. The mustache and the goatee, that's all I can grow. Nothing grows here. I don't well, it does, but it's patchy. So mine's super patchy, but it's actually starting to work. Like I actually think I actually think I look better with this now than I did without it. So, you know, we're gonna stick with this. We're gonna ride this look for the next few years and see how it take how it treats me. Yeah. I think it looks fine. I mean, the wife's on, I mean, getting the wife on board was the big key because I looked at it the other day and I was like, oh my God, I have a beard. I'd just been lazy and figured I had like, I would stubble it and take care of it eventually. And I was, we had our Greco State tournament yesterday and I'm, I washed my face and I looked in the mirror and I'm like, oh, you have a beard, <laughs> sir. So, so I wanted to say something. There's a picture of you on Facebook at a match and you're like bent over and you got this intense look on your face. I was coaching. I get very intense. And, and of course, the, the mustache and the, and the goatee. And I'm like, that's evil, JD. <laughs> and yes. then you had an interview on a podcast, and they used that picture for the interview. I, was, I did. A, I, I've done so many podcasts in the last week, like to advertise or to like promote this campaign. I am tired of podcasting. Like I've got, 
I'm doing. I can announce this here. This hasn't been announced yet, but like I told you guys, there's this wrestling podcast. Listen to it six hours long every week. Mm-hmm. They asked me to be on. By the time our show hits, they'll have made the announcement, so that's okay. So I'm actually going to sit in on their pod the next couple of days, and it's going to be a two day process, and it's going to be a thing. Oh but, wow! Yes, I'm excited. It's bucket list. But when that's done, I like. I'm gonna. I might need. I might need a vacation to be quite frank, because I have just been podcasting like a fool. But like you said, uh. evil, evil JD, if you ask the officials, they will all agree with that statement. Because <laughs> I gave them the business yesterday. Let me tell you. So, Two days to record a single podcast. Six hours, brother. I don't know. <laughs> I, I listen to it. It's my Monday. Like when I'm doing stuff on Mondays, I'm at the gym, I'm driving around, going to work, you know, and I like it. It's my, one of my favorite podcasts, but it's it scares a lot of people, to be honest with you. Yeah, I can see that scared me I, I i like i don't know if i can even be involved in that act and be that like attuned for that long we'll see no not every week that's insane oh i do it every i couldn't do it every week just being on the show this week is going to be a task yeah and they do like then they do a patreon show that's like even that's just as long once a month it's crazy so speaking of things that are scary real quick i know jd isn't watching it but john what did you think of this weeks and remember there's only one episode left so what did you think of this week's moon night and especially how it ended well i should really start smoking pot <laughs> legal in illinois i don't know about in pennsylvania it's decriminalized in philadelphia but it's not legal yeah because we're still backwards it's i mean it was i had like i watched it literally when i was having a fever dream so yeah that was to, to see the the hippo just like blew my freaking mind. My my brain went back to Henrietta from the New Zoo Review in the so, 1970s. The amazing you, thing is, I, though, I'm probably the only person who remembers that. I remember New Zoo Review, but but the amazing thing is, there's pictures floating around online. Like that wasn't completely CGI. There was actually a person in a costume. That's in, the hip, in a hippo costume. That's pretty awesome, and I yeah. wouldn't put it past Disney to do that. That's yeah yeah well it makes a lot a a lot of stuff makes more sense now but we still haven't seen a you're okay with us talking about this right jd i'm barely paying attention okay (laughs) you you sound like john fair enough Um, i've learned from the best (laughs) fair enough so yeah i mean we still haven't seen a third personality yet no they only alluded to it once but yeah and i thought we would see it in this episode since he's on the basically on the river sticks right traveling to the afterlife split into the two personalities well they did have another sarcophagus that they didn't open yes so yes. i thought that might have been conchu but but no it makes more sense that it, that would have been the third personality they just he didn't open that one so but now we know who the prime personality is who owns right. the body really yeah and what a horrible upbringing you know this coming from somebody who had a horrible upbringing yeah that's i could i could see how that would split somebody down the middle in their brain yes and so yeah yeah the ending the ending kind of blew my mind but i'm wondering where it's going to go from there i watched it it's funny i watched it with my girlfriend who only watched the second episode with me so she that's all she saw was the second episode and the fifth episode and, and when it was over she just looked at me and went Marvel's getting weird. <laughs> they are. They are. But, yeah. you know, actually, to, to one of JD's points, the, you know, JD, you were, I think, 
you were saying something about this feeling like you have to watch it in order to just keep up with Marvel, right? Like you were kind of, you almost feel like you're, you have to watch these now. Or if, just I felt to... that, if I felt that way, I would be watching. Okay. I well, I mean, like, I, I do feel like they want me to watch them. I do feel like that's, I mean, I get it. It's the plan. It's like when it's like crossover season, right? Like when they, when they release the crossovers every year and they want you to buy like 8 billion books Mm. follow a long drawn out story i feel like we've reached that zenith point with these ancillary properties if you will like and it's turning me off a bit to be quite frank now here's the thing like yeah marvel has like a crap ton of stuff coming out and we're going to talk about more of that later but we're also going to talk about later how the cwdc shows have all fallen off a cliff and that i think that like people maybe get reaching saturation with with Marvel and that's because you know there's so much but on that side there's only movies a couple of movies a year maybe and then mm. these these TV shows which admittedly are going and using very very obscure properties now but on the D- on the CW side what they were trying to do with CW there was no way I could keep up with 8 hours a week of CW shows just mm. to keep up with all the different stories for when they do crossover. And and the writing was getting bad too, because it was again, CW. So, you know, I like there, there's, there's levels of saturation, I guess that you could, yeah. you could get. And there's to. a lot of people that were just watching the crossovers. Like they would tune in for the crossover and then basically maybe like I, that, I was that person i was watching flash and only watching the crossovers for the other shows i wasn't watching the other shows at all well, that's so they would, that's what they would do them you know that's sweeps right right yeah spike those ratings those ratings spike those ratings around sweeps time so it's pretty i don't know if it's common but i mean it's not like that was a crazy thing to say no yeah. no and it's just like yeah it's it definitely was oversaturation there so uh, well i, I mean yeah, it's oversaturated. Like, there's only so many hours that somebody can watch it, and none of these are streaming. So it's not like you could watch them at any time. And but a lot of people on, aren't. Aren't they on the CW app? You're talking about the the. CW they might be on the CW app. I never really checked, but the you know, initially, like, I, I guess even even DVRs are becoming some kind of a thing of a past now. Like, yeah. I, I've I've, met, I've talked to a lot of people who don't have DVRs anymore. I don't have one. The problem with the CW app is they only CW keep the shows <laughs> no the problem is they only keep the shows on there for a short window it's not like it you can watch stuff from season two that makes sense on there they they only keep them like i think eight episodes back or something like that six or eight episodes back and it's just like well yeah like it, it allows you to catch up if you're a couple episodes behind but if you want to binge it over the summer like you can't but a lot of them ended up used to go on netflix i don't know if they're still doing that i think they're still going on netflix although netflix we didn't really put in the show notes this week but boy is netflix having a rough month month i can't yeah. talk today netflix <laughs> having a rough rough, rough month. <laughs> that too they're contracting for the first time in like a decade right they're losing subscribers and they're hurting. I mean, let's, I think, I know Dave didn't like Stranger Things, but Stranger Things 4 coming along at just the right time. Yeah. Hopefully so. it's good. So it doesn't Hopefully like, it's good. Yeah. But, but this goes back to what we've been talking about for a while. There's going to be a contraction of the streaming, you know, was it the streaming apps, the, the, the companies and 
Yeah, this this has got to be the the first solid evidence of that actually happening, right? I think like, the first solid evidence happened last week too when CNN killed CNN Plus. Which who needed that? Like it was the most superfluous. Like Warner Media does a lot of dumb things, but the CNN Plus app, like like creating a separate news system, right outside of their for CNN, right for a dumb. channel that they say has been losing viewers in the key demo for a long time. It's like why did they think? The key demo doesn't care to watch news all the right, time. Right, exactly. Nobody, yeah, nobody wants to see a newscaster do a show about their house. I mean, like, what? Did you might these, actually get more views on that than just, like, const, the constant bombardment of the 24-hour news cycle, which is quite literally maddening. Right. right. But they lost, that lost a ton of money. And, and Discovery is trying to figure, like, Discovery is going through and, like, Xing things left and right everywhere. Mm-hmm. They did do something nice that we'll talk about later. But yeah, for like mm. killing that, it's like the first, okay, this is dead. What's coming next? Because we're, we're there. I got to, it, it's just too much, right? It's too much. Yeah. Well, again, it's like you would have ne- needed some of these personnel. Like, was it Anderson Cooper? Okay. He's the only person that most people know, but even his personality wouldn't be enough to keep somebody going to CNN Plus. I mean, Let like, alone to pay a subscription fee for it. Yeah. Right, yeah. a terrible, a terrible idea. I don't know what they were thinking on that one. Well, I mean, a lot of people were saying they were in trouble because the first day they offered hit like a couple hours after launch, they offered half price because nobody wow. was signing up. Yeah. Talk about not having having faith in your own product. Like you had at yeah. least wait a couple of days for word well, of mouth to get around. The launch must have been terrible. Yeah, because right? yeah. it's all about like everything in these things. All about launch day. Launch day is your big day. So if it was bad, I don't I don't know if I ever saw the actual what the actual numbers were. Ten thousand. Oh god. Concurrent oh, users. Holy shit. Ten thousand. <laughs> I mean, like at ten bucks a month, you're like, oh, it's, you know. Not bad, but most but of the ten thousand was probably just bots. Well, going I think to it, the, if I remember the correctly, the, first time. the total <laughs> people that signed up was like one hundred and twenty or one hundred and fifty thousand, but only ten thousand people were actually using it after they signed up. Well, so. I, don't, I don't even think they care if they use it. I think they would care more about are you paying, right? But that being said, is like you don't you don't want that. You don't need that. I'd be and I would dispute that hundred thousand number. I think that's probably uh, like uh, fluff. Yeah. If it was a quarter of that, I would be surprised. But it's dead. So, you know, you know, CNN Plus is dead. Long live CNN regular, I guess. Well, it was, like, it was a bad idea to begin with. It's was. just that Discovery it came along like, and decided. Right. And it also sounds like they plan to keep some of those shows and just fold them into HBO Max. Which is what you should do. I mean, they should have a singular hub, right? Having yeah. multiple hubs is a terrible... Like, now that Discovery Plus and HBO Max do the same thing, we're going to eventually get this, like, you know blob of stuff which is essentially mm-hmm. which should essentially be like like pluto tv quite frankly but like that's pretty but that's fine like i want yeah. everything to live in the one spot where i'm actually gonna go i like oh. hbo max like things i like are there i'm not gonna get rid of hbo max so you might mm-hmm. as well stick if there's stuff on hbo max that i like you know perhaps i'm more likely to check out dr pimple popper no i'm never gonna watch that <laughs> but it'll be there <laughs> Well, yeah. So there, there goes your contraction down to, and and we always thought like, I th- I don't think Netflix is going to die. Like they they saw this coming and they started doing their own stuff, and they have they have a lot of different genres of their own content now. You know, there's a lot on my side, anime and animations and all that. Mm-hmm. So and there's good stuff. You know, people like people like the Voltron series that they had. So. Yeah. So, so I think they'll, they'll write themselves HBO and Disney plus, obviously. And after that, it's a race for fourth place. You know, they, they're not going to, your Crunchyroll has already done what or Funimation did what they had to do. 
everybody, Funimation and Crunchyroll combined into Crunchyroll under Sony, they're 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 done. Like that's there. There's only a couple of other streaming services for anim, for anime for Japanese anime, and you know they're all small time compared to that now. So that side's done. Everything else is going to be for the mainstream. Well, you know? speaking of things that are terrible and Dr. Pepper poppers and making oh, us shrink. Picard, you're some... going to talk about Picard now? No, I've heard just... really bad things about that. Let's talk about social media madness. Oh, <laughs> so not, not as bad as Picard, apparently, from what I've heard. Oh, God, yeah. Well, he's an android now, but anyway. No, Wait, he's not. Not, in, not anymore, he isn't. Wait, what? Oh, they, oh, they, they retconned that already? I just, it doesn't it doesn't matter they made picard an android for apparently for they killed him at the end of season one but like put his consciousness into an android body in, into a like a, a a positronic brain and but they i think they've already fixed that yeah so much like when they transferred his consciousness into a different human being at the end of x-men 3 once again patrick stewart's been transferred into another consciousness yes. they, you know okay okay here here's all you need to know they turned the borg into a bunch of pussies and this is coming from me. That's disappointing. Like, like the Borg were supposed to be this unstoppable menace that you had to think around, right? Mm-hmm. You had to, that's, they've always beaten them with tactics and knowledge. Now the so, Borg are just, they, they did touchy-feely things with the Borg, and now the one, Borg are coming to their, like, it's just, it's one God, of the things, okay. stupid. All right, real quick. Seven one of the things. Hot. Seven did, Nine still is hot. Mm-hmm. She, and she's, an, she's amazing as an actress she really is one of the things that gene roddenberry did this is a simple little thing is why i hate all the new star trek is you notice there was no cursing in the in star trek right it was extremely or it was extremely rare what you couldn't curse on tv in the 60s Mm. i know that's like we know that's the practical reason he did it but like gene roddenberry's vision was that humanity gets to a point where they elevate above that right like right like his whole thing was about hope for the future right like we're going to be better than what we were and and become better and explore the stars and and be the hopeful beings in the universe and all that so the idea is that it kind of just went out of style right like it wasn't part of the culture anymore but like in all the new shows they curse because you know they're on streaming and they can get away with what they want and it's like that makes no sense like it wasn't that they couldn't curse. It's, it wasn't part of the culture. And it's just like, yeah, no, thanks. Well, some of the, 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 none of the characters are doing anything that makes sense. This new storyline they've got is bouncing back and forth into timelines, which, and they completely mishandle it. They've got one writer doing one show and the, the one, the writer who writes the, the next episode doesn't know anything about what the first writer did. And so nothing makes sense from episode to episode. It is just, it's trash. It well, is not, it, it's just trash. Speaking of trash, we talked about Ezra Miller getting arrested again. Ooh, nice Ooh very good. Oh, that was, yeah, that works. <laughs> to which Timothy Jones replied, I heard what he was arrested for a quick lay. That's terrible. <laughs> he went to Hawaii? <laughs> he was arrested was in Hawaii. In Hawaii. <laughs> that is, yes, that's accurate. Still. <laughs> Where they give you a lay, right? No. <laughs> yes, yes. Sour uh, grapes available and finer newspapers across the country, ladies and gentlemen. Depending very, on how very... much time he spent, uh, I won't make that joke. Um, it's <laughs> gonna make a prison joke. Um, well, well, well done, Tim. Well, amen. Promise. This is a new follower who's at Hedo Magna Manga. Hedo Manga. Okay, that makes sense. 
I love your logo. Logo, very clever. So thank you. He, he had nothing to do with with the, the the topic at hand, but thank you for for the we'll, shout out. We'll take it. We we'll take yes. we'll take you anything. Like, you like our robot head? Thanks. Ape it Ray from the Gorilla Brain podcast said his checks already cleared. I don't think he cares. True. He also, can go to do indie horror creature flicks for like six headed shark versus the human fly and be right where his acting belongs. Can we be real for a second? I've also thought Ezra Miller was a remarkably overrated acting talent. Yeah. I, I still don't understand why everybody like, I don't know anything else he's done, but he never, never hit me as like anything. Well, he's special. Not, I think we talked about this last week. He's not even a good Barry Allen. You know, he, he's no, he's not. He's, well, he's he's playing him like this autistic kid, and it's just like well, playing, part part of that playing. was Joss we Joss Whedon writing, but the other part is they they completely changed the character of Barry, Barry Allen to begin with. But, I mean, yeah. Snyder, he was like that too in the Snyder version. So we can't just blame that on on Whedon. This is what the vision for Barry was. It's like they will. It's like they saw Sheldon Cooper wearing those flash shirts, flash shirts in those early yes. seasons of the Black of up. What am I talking about? A Big Bang Theory. And we're like, yes, that is what Barry Allen should be, and it's never—that's never been Barry Allen. Right. And and well, I mean, like when I when when you say the, I mean, like the 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 stuff that Jeff Sweden put in was like the thing about brunch and all that. Like he he was, he, that's too awkward and stupid and all that. It's just and but yeah, it's just all the writing and everything, the way that the character was. But but Ezra Miller was in he was in Eternals, right? I don't or, think so. No, no. no. What else was he in? He's like, I just, yeah. I don't, I've never heard of him before all of this. And, and just the acting just, eh, you know, I don't know why everybody, why he's such a big deal. What, what was he in? That was such a big deal that everybody was like, you know, fawning oh, over him until he, he was the star of the perks of being a wallflower, the whiniest white movie I've ever seen in my life. Oh, in Californication. Movies. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I mean oh, he's honest. in the fantastic beasts movies too. Hmm. and uh, just one of them actually i think oh yeah 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 but i mean before he got the part i mean like what's the biggest thing he ever did? oh no he's like, in both of them okay nothing really perks of being a wallflower oh he was in all three of them <laughs> i didn't even notice yeah but um he did it after he was the flash right i guess was, yeah. yeah i guess and like the perks of being a wall like i said one of the whiniest movies i've ever seen in my entire life Ugh. yeah I, I i don't see anything here where it's like yeah i saw that that was an awesome movie no, interesting. Yeah, Californication was maybe one of the biggest things. So I don't get it. I don't get it. You know what else I don't get? What? The Dungeons and Dragons movie they're making. We haven't seen it yet. Do we There's, know anything you know, more about it? Well, we did we talk know. about it last week. We know that it's being called uh, Honor Among Thieves. That's it. And it stars Chris Pine. I do like Chris Pine. But our good friend, Random Randy Savage from the Gorilla Brain podcast said, it honestly depends on the writer DM. I love that. And the players, most of the D and D shows or podcasts I've enjoyed were run by very novice players or improv actors because it requires the characters to F up, but try really hard to be entertaining. That's most podcasts. Yeah. Mm. That's us every week. Pretty much. <laughs> it's our shtick. We <laughs> F up a lot. But I mean, I kind of get what he's saying. Like, you know, you can't you can't do Lord of the Rings or or Game of Thrones because there's an established story there that, like, you know, you get you got to find a way to make this interesting. 
Well, they smash. They need, yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, it's just that, like like we said before, they they need a good story. There's yeah. plenty to mine there, and they'll probably go off and do their own thing because these movies are cursed. <laughs> smash trivia said, "I think it can it. I think it can just needs to be as goofy and ridiculous as possible, like a good D and D campaign." Not a bit. I mean, it's a different approach. I'm sure that, that approach would actually piss off longtime fans, which would be entertaining for me. But I don't know if I don't know if that's the right move. They should just they should just do the animated series. John said that last week, and I was thinking about that, and he's right. Yeah, no, that's true. I mean, that that uh, or or reunite the a... dead reunite the dead gentlemen and just hand them a couple of million dollars. You guys, do you guys know who the dead gentlemen are? Clearly not. No. We both had something growing <laughs> out of your face. The dead gentlemen did two of the funniest Dungeons and Dragons movies of all time. They're underground movies and they are hysterical. And they're also called the gamers, but yeah, hmm. if you, it, I, I God, I even forgotten the name of the, let's see, what the hell was it called? What was the game? Yeah. The gamers hands of fate, the gamers darkness rising. That's it. So it was darkness rising in 2008 was like one of the best, that's one of the best Dungeons and Dragons movies of all time. It was done by a bunch of guys with a video camera. It was it was hysterical. And they would switch between the guys playing the game and then them actually being their characters in the game. And and just it it I mean like uh, what the the last guy, the last uh, comment he said it just needs to be as goofy and rig- ridiculous as a as a regular dini. Try a thief sneaking up behind a guy at a bar and backstabbing backstabbing him with a ballista like that's goofy enough and stupid enough and funny enough like the fuck is a ballista a ballista is the big the big crossbow the like the huge crossbows they use to destroy walls uh, of cities yeah it look it's okay yeah yeah now that i'm picturing that in my head i would laugh at that if i saw that okay yeah I mean, the scene was hysterical. It just escalated. It's like, you know, first I'll steal his money. Oh, I'll steal his, I'll steal his pants. Roll the, you hear the roll of the die? Damn it. Well, you made it. <laughs> he takes the pants off the guy while the guy's still sitting at the bar. Then he goes to backstab backstab another guy for, with the ballista. It's just, it's, if you do something like that, you've got, you, you can take our money. Anyway, sorry. I'll, <laughs> tangent. Everybody should money. go, everybody should go see if you can find it. The gamers, darkness rising by the dead gentleman. Okay, <laughs> I just feel like uh, when you started talking about that, I feel like how JD felt last week when me, you, and Don started talking about Dungeons and Dragons in, in more well, general terms. It's not that far hard to find it. It's all on YouTube's. Oh. Yeah, with a, a five-second Google search, you'll you'll have that. Yep, and it's well uh, worth it. It really is. The other, one of the other things we talked about, Jason Momoa, is. Slated to star in the Minecraft movie. I'll just put Cena and The Rock in it too and get it over with. <laughs> which again, I asked, uh, do people want a Minecraft movie? To which the Gorilla Brain podcast replied, a kid saw my eight big Mega Man tattoo on my neck and said, look, mommy, he has a Minecraft tattoo. I've never been more ashamed of a generation <laughs> as I was at that moment. 8-bit art does look a lot like, I mean, but I don't know. Real geeks can tell right off the bat the difference well, between 8-bit art and uh, and Minecraft stuff. But. It was a child, so yeah, I know. let that one go. They're just uh, not bringing him up right, that's all. That's all I'm saying. Randy said, of course people want a Minecraft movie. 
don't you remember all of those timeless stories in Minecraft? Like building your shelter and mining for stone to make a furnace. Is that really what you do in this game? Yes. And then he replied with that. that awful. With uh, uh, highest letter, grossing, highest grossing game I, of all time. Letterhouse that are holding up billions. a sarcasm sign. Okay, Avatar <laughs> is the highest grossing movie of all time. It still sucks. Trust me, there's a lot more to the game than that. I'll kick your word for it, but I cannot think of anything I'd want to do more than things I don't want to do in real life. Isn't this supposed to be escapism? It's it's furnace? escapism, but it also basically gives you an entire world, which is your palette, and you can do anything you want with it. And there are like. How many games can you just break anything? Anything at all? I, oh, all the I way down break, to bedrock. The, okay, oh, and then the other part... My, I can break games very easily. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and the other part of the game, game, too, is that... I can break any game you ask me to. I could destroy it, <laughs> shatter it, throw it in the trash. The other part of the game fire. is there's, like, these creatures, like zombies and stuff, walking around that attack you. So it's also a race to, like, build a shelter to protect yourself from them and things like that. I am so out of touch. <laughs> It's been around for a long time too. I know. It's not like, I, I, I've heard since twenty twenty eight twenty was it uh, two thousand and nine? Yeah. I yeah. believe you guys. I've Andy's watched some videos on YouTube, and I I'm out of touch. I'll be the first to admit it. Yeah, modded Minecraft is is also a big draw. You know, like you 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 have you've got everything from magic to jetpacks to spaceships to go to other planets. Like the, the the regular standard Minecraft, yeah, you get bored of it after a couple of months. But so but then modded Minecraft, you, you know, there's the sky's the limit. So Even the sky's not the limit. You're just telling me you could have magic and wizards and like spaceships and jetpacks all combined into one. You know yes. where else you could get that? The Wolfstone Saga, currently available on Kickstarter <laughs> for just three more. For a time you listen to this, forty eight more hours left in the campaign. Jump on, get your favorite books right now. Well, well done, sir. Set me up, well sir. done. It was like volleyball. But A, B, C. I, I, I approve of that spike. Yes. All Very right. Good. Well, the, the last social media madness, I attached the wrong uh, link in the email, so we'll just skip you know on. I'm good. Uh, we'll say, if you want to be a part of social media madness, here's a good friend, D Square, to tell you more. Enjoying the show? Want to be part of social media madness? Make sure you are following SuperheroSpeak.com where you can find all of the show's social media links at the top of the page. While you're there, you can check out old episodes of the podcast as well as some other great content. Check the site often because we are posting some great comic reviews as well as comic book and movie news content every day. Make sure and follow us on Twitter at SuperheroSpeak. And while you're there, check out the rest of the Geek World All-Stars Podcast Network. You can follow them at stars underscore geek. The Geek World All-Star Podcast Network include great programs such as the Pop Prison Power Podcast, Cult 45, So Wizard, Fans on Patrol, the Gorilla Brain Podcast, and of course, Superhero Speak. Search for hashtag GWAllStars. You will not be disappointed. Now, it's back to Dave and the boys on Superhero Speak. Thanks for that, Don. And don't forget to check out the Omega Level Nerd Podcast available on YouTube and wherever podcasts are available. And on that note, we'll take our first commercial break and we'll be right back. After these messages, we'll be right back. 
All right, we are back and got some news to talk about. This first one just hit a couple days ago, and I kind of think we need to talk about it. Of course, this is a comic book podcast first and foremost. The one and only Neil Adams passed away at the age of 80. And for those who aren't familiar with who Neil Adams is, shame on you for listening to this podcast. But No, no shame. No, 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 no shame. Go learn. Yeah. He's a very important artist, uh, worked for DC for many years. He was the, he worked with Denny O'Neill on a lot of books, helped bring the Joker back into the mainstream in the seventies in the comics. And aside from all, aside from all the art that he did, he was instrumental in getting the creators of Superman. Oh my God. My mind just went blank. I I was about to say Simon and Schuster. Jerry Siegel and Jerry Siegel. Joe Schuster. And Joe Schuster. Getting them the credit and the credit and some of the money they deserved for creating the character, especially after the, the movies came out in the seventies and he, you know, Superman exploded even more, even after that, Sounds he was like very really instrumental in, in helping them and other artists get the credit that they deserve for creating these characters. So the man was an absolute warrior for champions, rights. He was prickly to the best of the word, like, because he he did not suffer fools. He was not a chump when it came to his work. When I say that, I mean some people are like though they're well, you know, I always want to do this, so I'll I'll do this for less. Like, no, man, Neil Adams was a was a pro, was a pro's pro. The biggest lesson I ever learned from Neil from Neil Adams quote was whatever you think you're worth, double it when people ask. Yeah. And then be willing to settle for lower. And oftentimes You'll either get what you asked for or wind up about 25% higher than what you expect, about 50% higher than what you expected. So it's pretty impressive, man. And like I said, like he was, he was a good dude and he just, he worked in comics. He worked in advertising consistently his whole life. He was fantastic. The world is a comics world was a better place because of Neil Adams and his legacy. And it's, it's going to be a worse place without him, but you know, 80 years and he had a great life and worked, worked his whole life. I've, I've actually met the man and talked to him a few times. It was, he was always, always personable, always willing to talk to fans. You know, he wasn't like stuck up or anything like that. I I always found it fascinating that like all his kids were interested in art too. And they all worked with him and, and his wife was, was really nice. We'd come to the conventions. They would all come to the conventions together and work with him at his table. Cause of course he had a huge table cause he was Neil Adams. He was Neil Adams. Yeah. And I gotta say it, it, it's it's sad one of my biggest regrets is that we never got him on the show because he he agreed to do the show the only issue was he's a very busy man so how he wanted to do it was when he was in the studio contact him in his studio contact him and then he would call you know we call him at that point like it, he didn't want to try to set anything up too far in advance or anything like that so i never i never got around to coordinating that now obviously never get that chance you know but because he he would have been an amazing interview because he was such a great guy and, and easy to talk to so yeah sounds like it was amazing yeah and shame unfortunately the other thing that hit home really bad is he died of the same thing my wife died so what did he die of i didn't even i'm not even oh he uh got an infection and, and died of sepsis what? complications from sepsis yeah didn't realize so. that my cousin died that way too yep yeah a lot of people don't realize it's one of the most common ways it's you get an infection and that's it mm. yep so what did your wife have the infection dave we never really talked about it. oh it was it was like a boil on her stomach that got infected Oof. and she like 
she kept holding off going to the doctor and that's the thing she'd waited too long and that's it had become septic at that point so my cousin had crohn's and she never like bothered dealing with it or taking care of herself the way she was supposed to and then she finally got talked into going to the doctor and like hours later her body had turned septic the thing is because my wife had diabetes too if you have high blood sugar infections eat eat that up like the sugar in your blood causes it to spread faster too so i i got a puncture in my foot once and you get the where your veins start to change to red going up your limb mm-hmm. i had, i've had that too so yeah that's not that's not you say anything you play around with i went no. i went right they gave me like eight different antibiotics and like i you know and all these i don't even remember half the stuff they gave me because you could see it was oh, like yeah. it was halfway up my leg by the time i got so, to the doctor you know. As soon as they realized that was going on with my wife, like they were in with like three different antibiotics right into her IV. And then, yeah. So, yeah, it's I had, a, I had a MRSA infection in the winter of 2009 and it was in a very, very not good spot. <laughs> my butt cheek. And Ooh. yes, I have a hairy butt. So that's something I'll let the audience in on. It will not be the episode <laughs> title. And uh, oh, I got, I, got, I got an infected hair in my butt cheek. Oh, and my brother demonstrated a move. And it was like we do what it's called a chop. You chop the elbow and you drive the knee up to your opponent's butt to break them down. And it was the worst pain I'd ever felt in my life. And I stood up and punched him just on reflex. He's like, why did you do that? And I said, I don't know. That really hurt. And I went to the doctor and had a big old boil. And it was MRSA. That was not fun. Chopping the hairy butt. Chopping the hairy butt. Oh, maybe that will be an episode title. <laughs> I like that actually. <laughs> That's great. Staphylococcus, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. MRSA, the full on MRSA isn't necessarily staph, you know, but um, it was the MRSA infection. It was yeah. in their late two in the early teens. There was a bad wrestling outbreak of it throughout the country, where it was spreading everywhere. Wow. The state of Minnesota shut down their season for like two weeks that year. It was rough, man. It was rough. But I was good. I was fine. You know, I lived. Can't donate blood, but, you know, I lived. You're not allowed to donate blood anymore? No, because I had MRSA. You can't donate blood. Probably because you could still have uh, traces of it in your blood. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. Wow. So anyway, Neil Adams will be missed. (laughs) So so when the vampires attack, you're the first one we throw at them, right? They don't want me. They can smell. Move on. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you're protected. You've got the, the bed. So what? You have to bite us when the you bite us when the vampires attack. No, I bite the vampires, baby. Oh, this is true. Yeah, yeah. I need to write that down. You're a reverse um, reverse zombie. Oh, now you now I'm thinking. See, now I'm cooking. No, it's a shame, Neil Adams, man. If you have a chance, the man revamp Batman, help create Razal Ghoul. Like, oh, that's right. Yeah, yep. this is. And I heard that him and Denny O'Neill revamped the character in the late. Like everyone gives the credit to Frank Miller. They like to pretend that Adam West was the dominant form of Batman from like 1966 to 1986, but that's not true. In no. 1969, Denny O'Neill and Neil Adams came in and did their their version of Batman, which really kind of helped him get back to the roots a little bit. And Ra's al Ghul was part of that. Like, that was part of their shit. Denny O'Neill shepherded the character for, gosh, 25, maybe 30 years, something like that. Like, it was and they, crazy. And they brought the Joker back and made him a, yes. a menacing character. Yeah, I mean... Joker back. They, I believe they brought Two-Face back as well. Because yes. before that, the Joker was just a fool, right? Like, just... I'm not 100% sure if he was even appearing in comics, to be honest with you. No, he hadn't been in the comics for a long time. Yeah. 
he was just from the show. Which yeah. is strange when you think about that. Like they would that would never happen today with like, you know, the media crossovers and whatnot. Oh yeah, so, no, now the Joker's like I mean it's social consciousness now. The the little known fact in the Joker's original appearance in the comics, this is back when Batman carried a gun. People don't know that, and especially his first year Batman, or two in the comics. Batman issue one. Yes. He kills the Joker. Mm-hmm. Yes, but they retcon that, of course. Immediately but... when they realize, oh, we just killed something that's really good that we can keep using. It didn't take. It wasn't never, canon. It never did. <laughs> well, if you ever read any of those old detective comics or like Batman early issues from the 40s, mm-hmm. it's very interesting of how comics and, you know, just that character was presented. What's even more interesting? Read the early newspaper run and the early comics for Superman. Oh, Yes. Oh my God, such a different character. I, if, if I had continued with my comic book aspirations, I would have, that'd have been the thing I would love to do. And was a, a legitimate golden age Superman story with that. I mean, when he had character, when he had any power under the sun, like, like small Superman clones from his fingers and all that. No, that's the silver. That's even pre silver age. Like this Mm. is the golden age. Superman could only leap tall buildings at a single bound. Yeah. He couldn't fly. No, he couldn't fly. And he was uh, testy. Right, he was this like high-powered, old like I'll be honest, like he was like a, a like a New Deal type of uh, archetype where he was throwing crooked landlords out of buildings and mm-hmm. beating up guys that beat at their beat their wives. Like he beat dudes within an inch of their life because it was he was very and then, much this champion of the oppressed type. And then he was sexist and he like teases well, Lois for not figuring out who's Superman. Who wasn't in the forties? That's true. <laughs> that yeah. was acceptable behavior. But yeah, no, it was a very, very different character than what we think of than the fatherly Superman that became uh, common in the 50s. Yeah. Right. Like he had an edge. Superman had an edge in the 1940s that that really kind of disappeared as time went along, which is, again, that's a fascinating character. I would love I would love to see someone do that, if, if not me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. All right. Well, let's move on to some happy news. I'm sure jd's happy about this i know i am the fantastic four reboot for the mcu has found its director no it hasn't dave you misread what? this yeah he exited fantastic yep. four. john watts left. oh i misread it yes. Darn. yep yeah it was it was it was big news like they, they just he well then terrible news <laughs> he said he just needs a break <laughs> i mean i get it he just made three spider-man movies back to back to back so I was shocked that they got him to make this movie to begin with. That stinks because he would have been the right. He has the. He would have had the right tone for it. He would have exactly. had the right tone. But I mean, like, hopefully they could find somebody else like that. I think it is a loss, but I get it, man. I mean, like, as a filmmaker, as a writer, as everything, you don't want to do the same thing over and over again, especially when you just did Spider Man, right? Like, so, yeah. Who's the? If we're not getting John Watts, who who out there right now? And let, don't say Spielberg. Who would you like to see tackle Fantastic Four? John Krasinski. And he could cast him and his wife as Reed and Sue Richards. So you want him to direct and star in it? Work for A Quiet Place. Great movie. True. True. You think he could find the right tone? Yeah, I do. I believe in him. Okay. That's a good pick. John, anyone you can think of? No. No, I, I agree with JD. You know, I'll throw some out there. Lord of Miller could be interesting because the Fantastic Four does typically have like a, a, a whim, whimsical isn't the right word, but I mean like a more... um 
sci-fi like i say sci-fi i mean like in the 50s sort of way where science fiction was a little bit more of a of a bold medium where like anything could happen it was the place you chase dreams kind of thing i can Mm -hmm. see lord and miller bringing that type of flair to the fantastic four true huh what do you think dave i don't know i i like lord and taylor now that you've said it like lord and miller Lord and Taylor, a little bit more expensive. <laughs> Simon and Schuster, Lord and Taylor. I know. <laughs> I'm I'm stuck on name brands. Um, we're off our we're off the game today, man. Everything's going awry. I like Lord and Miller. I'm trying to think. See, of course, I'm going to throw the name out there just because he just did a movie we all really liked, Matt Reeves. Like he jumped the fence. Hmm. Well, stand hold on that thought. He might be busy. He might be busy. He might be busy. Yeah, I mean, just because he got the tone so right in that, and I think he loves comics. Like, it's very clear he loves comics. Right. The tone is completely different, right? Like, the, it cannot, oh yeah, no, it definitely not be the same. So, uh, could he? I don't know, man. That's an interesting call. That's a very interesting. Call. You know, if they if they put this back to its strange science roots, like it's was it this it's it's uh, discovery. It's what am I trying to say? Like. If they if they put it back to where the Fantastic Four was just these explorers, mm-hmm. right? Explored, yeah, yeah. That's if they can find somebody that could engender that kind of feeling in the movie. That you know, more fan, not more fa- you know, fantastic. Fantastic uh, is a great way to say it. Though, fantastical. That's what they are the fantastic. Right. Right. Yeah. No, I'm I'm with you on that. I think you need someone. I it's, I'm depressed that I can't think of someone right off the top of my head who I think could strike that tone just perfectly. You know. Other right, than John Watts, who I thought was a grace. It's got to feel like family. It's got to feel fantastical and some of, and like that they're scientists who want to go on an adventure. Like that's, that was the feeling they were trying to get, you know, I think Stanley was also trying to go for that pulp feeling, you know, yeah. The, mm-hmm. the, yeah, the old uh, uh, movie serials. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you know, who could do that. Stephen Moffat. Stephen Moffat Doc, who, from Doctor who, who? Yeah. Not a director, he's a she's a writer, but I get what you're saying. I I, I know, but Russell the Davies, tone I think is there too, because Russell Davies who stuff was a little bit more yeah. like like Moffic Moffic could get dark, right? Like yeah. True. did some dark stuff. Whereas Russell who's now back, Russell T. Davies is gonna be the showrunner for the next Doctor Who. Because Chris Chimball did not do a great job. No, and no, he did not, and everyone hates it. And unfortunately, he had some ideas that were just turned into gimmicks, and you know, it's a shame because Doctor Who is not nearly as fun as it used to be. Hopefully, Russell T. Davies can breathe some new life into it. But yeah, um, that actual tone, I think, would be perfect. Like those uh, early Doctor Who seasons, right, would be really perfect for the Fantastic Four. Mm. You know? Yeah. So not Joss Whedon. No. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> Three-part harmony, please. No. no. <laughs> yeah. No. That just... Uh... Yeah, and the funny thing is, not long ago, before everything came out, you would argue, well, he did Firefly, so that could be a good tone for this. But, uh, nah. yes, but you know, he pooch like Avengers Two is we can look back on it as being eh, and then same with uh, the Justice League stuff. So I think he might have either lost the fastball, especially now that what he is, we kind of know better. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Let me because, think. well, n- now that we're wise to his game, you can see in the movies where it's kind of cringy. Let me throw one at you. That might be a bit of a surprise. I want to make sure I got this right. Yeah. Jeff Fowler. I don't know that di- name. The director of Sonic the Hedgehog. Huh. That's not something I would have expected. So he took a video game property mm-hmm. 
stayed true to the heart of the storyline from the games and made it a fun adventure. And he's got a background in animation, and he also did the visual effects for the Where the Wild Things Are movie, which I don't think was great, but looked good. I mean, he surprised me. I, I watched that movie again one day when I was sick, and then you guys had said it was good, and I was really surprised he, at how much I liked it. I saw the second one just the other week at the theater with my kid, and he had a blast. I think that he has the. I think he knows tone, and his hmm. work with it with special effects is good. It's not easy. And he to do. he made Jim Carrey fun again. Yeah, something a lot of people have struggled with for over well over a decade now. Yeah, you know, he, he made him funny again, and now and now he's out of acting, according to him. That's yeah, Jim Carrey. He's he's very moody, so you know I'm sure. And he had fun in the Sonic movies, so I'm sure if like if they did do Sonic Three, which spoiler they set up for Sonic Three. Oh, of course, I'm sure he'd like to come back. Yeah, but yeah, you oh, know yeah. that's my off the wall. That's my off the wall call. Actually, I'll say Jeff. I Butler. like that. I like that one. That's a good one. I kind of feel like we need to do a poll on social media for this one. And I'm looking, and he hasn't done a lot. You know, like he doesn't like Sonic the Hedgehog was his first like big movie. It was his first feature length movie. Actually. That's his first feature length movie. Man, he did a good yeah, job. He did do a good job. Like, I think that's something to hang your hat on, you know, and he's made money. Right. And he, he yeah. did almost what a lot of people would say it was the impossible of yeah. entertaining comic book or sorry, uh, video game movies that stay true to the source material and are a lot of fun to watch. Right. Yes. Heard, he got people were... to care about a blue hedgehog. Huh? I heard there were parts of two that needed to be revamped like was it was it that he like it, it, the wedding thing like went on a little too long or whatever it's possible or, but i mean like at but, the same time those things can become studio esque and it became a little sitcom hijinky but i'm not the target audience the target audience right. was andy andy had a great time yes. right so if you're making the fantastic four and you're essentially going to be you know uh you have the hand of god leading you through the whole thing by god i mean kevin feige like <laughs> like he, he's very good at shepherding directors who don't have a ton of experience so it sounds like honestly it sounds like he would be the perfect candidate for something like this i think you're right well speaking of the hand of god kevin feige recently came out and said they have planned out the mcu through the next 10 years Basically, all geeks are going to become immortal because the longer he pushes that out, the longer we all have to live. So I'm going to call number one. I think I might call a little bit of BS on this What? because he kept always saying, like, there's a plan. But at the same time, a lot of people who've been involved with the MCU have come out now and it's like, well, there was kind of an idea, but like we just kind of made things fit together. Like there was no original major plan to like let's say connect these three characters create the avengers and blah blah like that's that was a pie in the sky like maybe we'll get to do it well like, and they, luckily they everything know, worked out right like i think that that's one of those things like the specifically avengers like they mentioned at the end of the movie because like they wanted to they wanted to get people talking right right and then they had to figure out how to do it yes right but i mean because everybody have... screamed when they saw it <laughs> right because it worked because again you can't like I always go to this Jeff Johns quote from the first Green Lantern movies. We have Green Lanterns one through four planned. It's like, hey, bro, why don't you make one really good mm -hmm. and then worry about that? And they did that. They made their focus was making Iron Man really good, but baiting the hook in case they got a chance to do it because they banked everything on Iron Man one, like yeah. the point where they added stuff to Hulk to make it work to make it connect, mm -hmm. right? Right? Because Hulk wasn't Hulk was a Universal movie, so 
I believe they do have this stuff planned, but as a guy who plans this stuff, like you, you say, okay, this is where we want to go. How do we get there? And as you're getting there, stuff evolves and stuff yes. changes. Cause I mean, it's like, you can't, no one can lock themselves into, you know, A, B, C, D, you know, it's a roadmap. Like you're driving from, from Philly to Chicago and, you know, you know, you're going to stay on I-90, I-80, I-90 most of the way, but you can get off the highway a little bit and go, you know, maybe you're in Canton, Ohio, you well, can go check out like, the football hall of fame and then you get back on the road and it's fine. Exactly. And there's, and there's things that are completely out of your control too. Like mm -hmm. what if another pandemic hits or, yes. you what know, if you hire Ezra Miller and he beats somebody else up. Exactly. Oh God. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. What if? What if? I'm trying to think. Uh, what if Tom Holland goes nuts and starts beating up little old ladies? He's a, that kid's a ticking time bomb. <laughs> <laughs> you can tell. Yeah. Like no, but you never know what's going to happen. You never. I mean, I guarantee you, Spider-Man was not part of their plan, but Sony was a failure, and they're like, "Look, can you help us?" And of, of yeah. course, you go, "Yeah." And then you work that into your plans because how do you say no to Marvel's best and you know most known character? You don't. You say we're gonna put them in our next movie. How? I'll figure that out as we go along. Mm -hmm. Yes. Russo, you know there's a put lot Spider-Man in this. But but then again, it would be nice for them to have like there are so many things they could do if they had ten years of Chekhov's guns planned. I mean, you know, because then right. just imagine how many like in the next few movies how many background things you could see happening that would you know pay off 10 years later i mean it would it but, would be it would drive the conspiracy guys nuts which i will say this they enjoy doing oh yeah but the other there thing is you could you could have you could literally sorry dave one second yeah. you could you could have movies if they've got it planned well enough you could have movies where you're watching a fantastic four show and see spider-man and deadpool swing by in the background and see that actually happen in the foreground in another movie like you could actually you know things that we've always wanted to see you know or or well it, you probably see in the background wolverine fighting hulk but we'd never get to see that in the foreground apparently I'd, so dave go ahead no i was just gonna say the 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 only other issue and i i get what you're saying john and that is a cool idea but then you also have directors who have complained about like, oh, they had to work something into the movie that was kind of setting up something else, and they feel like it ruined the movie. I mean, there was, was some guy who directed Avengers 2 who complained about the pool scene with Thor. Like, the pool scene, he was right about it. As big a piece of crap as Joss Whedon is, he was right about the pool scene. Yeah. And it like, because it never got referenced again in another movie, right? Like, we all pretty much agreed the pool thing in Thor was really dumb. But was yeah. was that because they hadn't planned it out and they had to put something in that movie to to start teasing out no, or setting out. up? No, no, they, they knew they were going to do Ragnarok, but it just became a very different movie right. than what they set up in that scene. Well, yeah, but that that scene wasn't for Ragnarok though. That scene was to start the ball rolling for Infinity Infinity. Yeah, I think right? it was Dark World. I think that was to set up Dark World. Actually, I recall. But I mean, like that's the thing is like when you have like a we, we jokingly call kevin feige and he had a god when you have this overwhelming showrunner presence you don't get a tour films you don't get a director who's in control and most directors want the control of the movie mm -hmm. right and so it's hard to get it's not impossible because taika waititi and like gun have managed to make their movies in the marvel system but i can't say that for everybody right <clears throat> like um edgar wright famously left ant-man and we got Peyton Reed and Peyton Reed was more willing to play ball and it worked because that movie was good. 
but I think we were denied of what an Edgar Wright Ant-Man would have been. And I think that's kind of a shame because I'm sure it would have been a lot more visually interesting. Yeah. You know? So No, I agree. That, that's that's what balance. I'm saying. Like, Yeah, there's a balance. Like they do plan these things out. But again, like when, when you're making, when you're creative and you're making this great plan, the plans change and plans evolve and things take shape that you didn't see, but you still have the end. You still have the end goal and result. Like the plan for the original wave was we, we're going to get to infinite. We're was the plan for the original was we're going to get to the Avengers. And then the plan for the next one is we're going to get to the infinity gauntlet, which they called mm-hmm. infinity war and all that. We still don't know where we're going with this one. In my opinion, it's probably going to, we're going to get those X-Men. Probably. Probably. Yeah. Dave has gas. Sorry. <laughs> I muted my mic. I know. And we're watching you. I'm like, thoughts no oh you're burping oh okay <laughs> oh thanks anyway so so speaking of people that don't have another 10 years ahead of them <laughs> look at john trying to get in the segues i'm horrible at it i know so so you also i didn't realize the other one you oh. included too john so Sorry. both batwoman and legends of tomorrow have been canceled I'm surprised that the legends of tomorrow, I am so not surprised about Batwoman. That thing has just been stumbling along like a zombie for the last three, like Ruby Rose did a good job, but I, you know, depending on who you believe she was horrible on set or whatever. Yeah. I mean, but she was, she was good for the character. And after that, the writers being CW writers, you know, just decided, well, let's do the CW thing and just do whatever the hell we here's, feel like. And it that just meandered after that. Here's my issue with the recasting, how they handled the recasting. For those of us who have grown up looking up the superheroes, like it's a symbol that means something to us, right? And Batwoman means something to a lot of marginalized people, you know, and you know she was the first like strong lesbian character in dc comics right so so she means something to thousands of women maybe millions of women you know that that read comic books and when ruby rose left the show and they just recast her but made it a new character who just picked up the costume and boom you're batwoman like you're disrespecting that character so you're turning off your core audience right there. Yeah, it was pretty bad. Yeah. So it's just like, like what? Was, yeah, just it was terrible. It was a plane crash, and the costume survived, and someone just finds it lying yeah. on the really, beach. Is that, that is really how they did it? That's yep. pretty shitty. Some some rando just found the costume and said, "Oh, I'm Batwoman now!" So- Yay! Here's the thing: is like these these shows were just started out with Arrow, right? And Arrow had a vision, right? Oh, Mark it was Guggenheim good too. And Michael Green, yeah, those guys had a vision, and then they brought the Flash in, right, almost right away, and it was fine. And then immediately afterwards, things started kind of going off the rails, mm-hmm. and then the shows really became like parodies of things, and they really got they really got CWE because again, that's the network and that's what it serves. But I mean, like. I felt like I grew out of what they were very quickly because they weren't meant for me. So, which is fine. Not everything has to be for me. I just didn't watch them. So, I mean, I'm more amazed they lasted as long as they did, quite frankly. Well, they, they, they were good. I mean, Supergirl had had some issues, 
the, the writing in Supergirl was always the worst. Remember the snapping of the the power cord's neck to stop the electricity running. Oh my god, that was that you was a classic that? rant on this show. Yep. <laughs> But this was yeah, before your time, JD. But yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like one of the first episodes on Supergirl. She's learning to use her powers. She comes along across, you know, pop, the power cord gets cut. It's, you know, electricity everywhere. She goes over and just takes the power, goes like she's like breaking you know, the neck of break, the power cord. Breaking its All neck, you're doing is breaking off an end, and there's and still electricity it. shooting out the, the end so, that you broke so, off. Like, so the, the writing was kind of, oh, and you, you know, you, the, the other classic one was freezing lasers, right? Oh yeah, you know, was it uh, Captain, Captain Cold. Cold freezing the lasers? Yeah, using the cold gun on lasers and freezing them. <laughs> like, I'll never, I'll never forgive them for taking away Captain Cold and Heatwave from the Flash and never giving us the Rogues. That's, yeah, that's a sin. That's a. We talk about. I always laugh at cinema sins. It's so stupid. No, taking away the Rogues is what makes the, you know, does not help the Flash. The Rogues are helps what makes the Flash special, and like these shows became like widgets, right? Like the CW was just pumping them out. We got to make the widgets and I don't know, like I, well, TV shows aren't supposed to last this long either. So, I mean, like we can't be surprised. I'm more well, surprised to last as long as it did. Like I said. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it, Legends again was like one of the best ones because they kept, it, it was ensemble and they kept switching out characters and all that, you know? Mm-hmm. But that also but, made me wonder too, like, but they, they was got that a choice big. of the people making the show or was that the people on the show were like, yeah, I don't want to keep doing this. Yes. To both. Right. That's what it is. People leave. Actors don't want to do the same thing forever in most cases, right? Very few people are Kelsey Grammer playing Fraser Crane for 20 years. Right. True. But again, like it, the, the, the thing that finally brought it down was, okay, three shows? Yeah, you, you can get that. Four shows? Yeah, but you know, as long as the writing's good, but the writing was already faltering. Then seven shows and, and Batwoman and and part, part it's of it just, too. It just got well, we're back to Warner, right? Warner's trying to say the well, Discovery's trying to save three billion dollars from Warner. Yeah, yeah. So that's an easy way to do it is you cut these shows that are long in the tooth, right? And I wouldn't be surprised if this is the last season of Flash. They haven't announced it yet, but it's, it is. It's supposed yeah. to be an abbreviated season. Is yeah. It, okay. I'm bad, yeah, we talked bad, about that. Yeah, it might have been in the episode you weren't here. Oh, okay, because if we did, I'd forgotten we talked about that. So again, last season the flash and then let it end because like we had these things, and then they get a chance to kind of be reborn in something else. Maybe, maybe on <clears throat> well, you know, okay, let's look at it like this. Warner, the they've decided too that TBS and TNT, this wasn't in our show, this was from a different show that I do. We talked about this, that Warner will not do any more scripted television shows for TNT and TBS. Hmm. I heard about that. What what does that mean exactly? The yeah. scripted shows cost money. Like an episode of Snowpiercer is like a million plus, like I think it's like two, three million dollars. Like scripted television shows, the episodes are very expensive to produce and they're in cost cutting mode because Warner had spent poorly. Now they're not going to cut everything, right? You got to put something on. And I imagine the stuff they believe in will still go on, live on HBO Max, mm-hmm. you know. But as far as just making stuff, like I imagine we're going to see more sports and reality TV things on TBS and TNT. Which is going to push people right to the streaming because not really because sports sport live sports is where all the money is in cable anyway. That's where the ratings go. That's what gets. That's what draws viewership. Yeah, but the the reality shows are just crap because they're cheap. It, true, they're cheap, but like no, the, but the re- reputation of them has gone to the crapper lately. Because I, I mean, lately, the, I mean, the, I know, but the amount of information that's come out lately about how scripted all of them are now is just what. What I'm saying cheaper. is. 
It's like, I agree with John yeah. that people like us who don't like reality TV will go oh, I agree. to the streaming service. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, I, that's and that's but that's what's happening anyway. Yeah. So that's what instead of that's what I'm saying. Warner's trying to save money. We can do these scripted series for TNT and TBS where they're not going to draw as much, or we can mm-hmm. do them for HBO Max where it serves that audience. Yeah. Right. The cable audience serves sports. That's what it is. Right. That's like the wrestling stuff. That's the people like that stuff I follow on this is like they're concerned about, well, where does wrestling fall in this? Because wrestling's super cheap. Right. Yeah. But it's also not quite live sports. So again, this is the this is what Warner's trying to figure out what they are. Like I said, he's trying to save three billion dollars. Right. We act CNN plus. We're getting I'm, I'm, it hasn't been said, but I guarantee this is all related because the CW is part of that whole conglomerate. Yep. Right, they're trying to save some money now. What becomes of the CW? I would not be surprised if the CW isn't a thing. Hmm. That's just me. That's me freewheeling. Well, it's but... it's 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 method of storytelling was great in the late 1990s and 2000s. It's kind of like I don't know. It it's kind of remedial now. You know. I think like it's it's not great. what. I don't know if it was yeah. ever great. Well, it was ne- no, it was never great. But the thing is, like, I think people are really tired of just whiny characters all the it, time. Yeah, that's true. The method of what it is, it's melodrama. Mm-hmm. Everything is melodrama. But it's also too a matter of how often, like, at what point do you stop putting money into the six of the six of the six networks? Yeah. Right. And just go, why are we doing this? And just pulling it all away. Right. Because broadcast is still more expensive than cable. I think you'll yeah. realize where it's going when all of a sudden it's just syndicated crap for a while. Then it'll just be gone. That's what I'm right. thinking is going because because again, CW is what because that was UPN too. It was the WB and the UPN and they got absorbed and it became the CW, uh-huh. correct? Yes. Yeah. So I mean, like, we don't need this many television networks, like broadcast television networks. So why? I mean, like, where? Why are you spending money on these things to begin with? Now again, they're not canceling everything. There seems like like for, for TBS and TNT, they're going to let stuff and finish and then move on game shows don't don't be surprised if you see a comeback of game shows because game shows get big every 20 years or so so i could definitely see tbs or tnt riding away with game shows because they do stuff like john cena's got that wipeout show on tbs yep right cody rhodes had this go big show and it did eh, ratings but eh, ratings sometimes all you need you know so would not surprise me if you were to see a return of of some game shows yeah well, so. speaking of things that are returning, it has been officially announced that uh, we are getting The Batman 2, or The Batman sequel has been greenlit. I thought, um, they, I thought they had said they weren't going to do that, but... this go No, they did not say, they didn't say anything, right? Yeah. We had speculated on whether they're going to do it, because again, this all again goes back to this Warner thing. What is Warner going to do? Warner, you know, they got the new CEO in, and the guy kind of goes, oh, this made a lot of money. Do another one. So they are going to spend money. It just got to be on the right things. Because people yeah. are like, oh, they're going to stop doing everything. Well, they got to do something. They got to create something or else they're doing nothing. Mm. Exactly. I think I think if they came back and said, oh, we're not going to do another movie like this, A, stockholders would get pissed because... Yeah. They're like, we're not going to make Batman? What? Yeah. And that would kill the stock. You're right. That would kill They the finally stock. got one that works. Yeah. Let's do it. And, and two, like... If I was at anyone that worked at for any kind of DC property, I'd be like, okay, I'm done. Because it'd be like, it makes it look like you're not going to do anything. So Right. And they're going to, but they're just going to be more selective. Because let's be honest, Warner, under the last media, under the last um, iteration of the company, 
was spending money stupidly. Yeah. No. Well, what did we talk about? Like the Justice League thing. They spent a lot of money to finish a movie that they did not really make any money with. If you're going to create stuff for your app, I get it. It makes sense. That's what Disney's doing. But they were cutting off their nose to spite their face. Right. Because there's no way to quantify. Like, even if they did get a surge in subscribers to go watch that, there is no real way to quantify it. No. And it's like, I think that was the big problem, too, was HBO Max was rushed. And they tried to rush a bunch of stuff when they really didn't have a plan like Disney did. It was like, well, Disney did this. We got to compete with Disney. And, like, didn't work. No, no, not at all. So we shall see. But, no, I mean, I I can see. And, I mean, and of course, the the article that I sent, like, talks about, oh, yeah, they officially greenlit it. And then, of course, there's a bunch of speculation about who's going to be in it. What's the, like, the right away, it's like, who's going to be the villain? Who's going to be the is the penguin going to return? You know, penguin's yeah, getting his own show, right? Yeah. Penguin's huh? getting his own show. Penguin's getting penguin. his own show. Yeah, yeah. That's another thing I'm trying, I was trying to say, like, but we're losing the CW shows, but we're creating, we have, we're creating stuff with the penguin show and the Gotham central esque show, yes. right? or that become the penguin. No, no, it's, uh, there were two, there was going to be okay. a Gotham S show, which, oh, and then the peacemaker show, we have another season of peacemaker coming. Yes. So there's, because that that's stuff that has eyeballs on it. Yes. Yes. And the CW things, you know, they're not, I think, what this fan base, the people who listen to this show, have really been drawn to anymore. And it's fine. Stuff comes, stuff goes. You know, you, you do a new iteration of something. But it's, it's inter- I think Warner is the most interesting story of the next 10 months, 10 to 12 months. I really yeah. do. No, As I in agree. how long they'll last? Or... No, they're going to last. It's Warner Brothers, man. They've been around forever. <laughs> you know, they're, they're one of the biggest conglomerates in the world. But, I mean, when AT&T said, okay, I'm, we're done with this and sold it off like what becomes of it how does it evolve what happens to dc comics what happens to the film division what happens to hbo max these questions are still being answered and every week we talk about it at&t was never a good fit to begin with though Mm. they 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 can't even manage the phones let alone movies i mean i make it makes me wonder though like was it at&t mismanaging warner brothers who then mismanaged their money or they just gave money to warner brothers and they kept mismanaging it Probably all of the above. It could be all of the above. I mean, like the story of Warner for a long time has been mismanagement, right? It's not just this this iteration of it. Like Warner is very successful, but they make a lot of really bad decisions, and it goes back decades, right? I yeah. look back at uh, at the AOL t- when when they got absorbed at the time, right? Time Warner. Oh my God, absorbed, that's right. And they absorbed Turner, and then they were purchased by AOL. It was a disaster, right? The AOL yeah. Time Warner merger was one of the all time great. Ugh business deals of all time like it killed it killed a lot right and it's like people like oh dc can't figure out. i mean dc such a pimple on the butt of warner it's not even it's not even funny but they're just vic- they just get to play victim to all these crazy things that happens to warner i mean this has been this has been the case for 30 some years i also think it's another way to look at this too is they got i don't know lucky i guess luck is a, is a good way to put it by getting the a the rights for the harry potter books and then yeah doing the movies right like that sustained them for a really long Mm -hmm. time but that's done now you know and now they're doing these whatever the fantastic beast things but they died the the last movie i've heard wasn't that great like and that's what i'm saying like even the the hard for the hardcore fans of the books were like eh about it like they liked the first one but then it was kind of like eh i'm done with it you know like i don't need i don't need this story like it's like give me a one-off and fine but like trying to make it a 
a thing like the Harry Potter movies is like it's, nah, well, it's a well, money grab, right? Yeah. It, it feels it feels like a money grab. And J.K. Rowling has done a lot to hurt her perception. Yes, I was know? about and to say she, she's yeah. taken herself down. For a lot of her hardcore fans have turned on her. So but, I mean, like yeah, but I mean, she's that. not even involved with these. Like they're other hers. than what? But they are hers. Like yeah. they're her. Like it's her. It's her property. And like I said, like when you are associated with the Harry, like that's her. It's her creation. It's her money. She's getting a fat check for these. And like you said, the Harry Potter thing was big for Warner. Harry right. Potter and like Batman. That was what kept Warner like afloat for a long, long time. And there's only so many. You're not going to remake the Harry Potter movies, right? Right. I mean, maybe they'll try someday, but I mean, I think it's too soon to, to go back and remake all those things now. Eh, I wouldn't put a piss through. Neither would Hollywood. I. Neither would I. But I would advise them not to. Right. I mean, but you're right. Like they got luck. They got they got very lucky. It was shrewd business. That's how Diane Nelson got in charge of all this stuff. Right. Remember when Diane Nelson was heading up the DC Comics division? Not anymore. She was the manager of Harry Potter. She was the one who pushed all that stuff. Right. That's why. That's how she moved up in the Warner chain of command. Right. You know. Yeah. You're an executive. It's just a moment. The, the clock is just ticking to when you get fired. <laughs> it feels that way. No, well, true. yeah. You get this big ass promotion, and they're like, hey, "Congratulations." Yeah, but that. <laughs> but that's it's not a video show. I'm tapping on my watch. Yeah, but 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 that's okay because then you get the golden parachute, and you know you could take another year to find another place, but you're probably like sitting on twenty million as your severance pay so and that's mm-hmm. part of the problem too is they get these golden parachutes worked in and the new boss the new boss comes in and goes we're spending how much on failures yeah yep right i mean it's crazy yeah but then he's got that worked into his contract too so because he's not a fool right exactly <laughs> that's, you know, that's the way it goes like but again you know like that's everyone because everyone who's in the job is like well i'm not going to make the mistakes my boss made it's like the reign of terror well i'm not going to screw up like that guy next thing you know off with your head <sighs> yeah oh my god they that's do need a... a hit though they do need another hit and they've been hurting yeah. and it didn't help that last during the pandemic they had movies that could have made money that did not and uh, i think to support their they tried to support their streaming app i think dune would have made a killing at the box yeah office. no I think exactly Godzilla. that's 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 yeah. the thing too and then you know this whole like putting it directly to streaming which means they probably had to pay off people in the movies so they didn't get upset right because we did talk about that where like no one in the warner movies complained but in the disney movies you know it was like hey this should have been because they just did it. So well, people in Warner complained. There was a lot. Dennis Villeneuve, Denny Villeneuve complained big time about Dune. Big time. I thought there was. Oh, that's more. true. He did say that. Yeah. There was far more. And the Suicide Squad, too. Gunn complained. Like there was far more griping on the Warner side, I felt. But there was some on the Disney side, too. Because it's not. I mean, like the pandemic sucked. It did seem like Disney had systems in place to keep them sustained. Whereas it seemed like Warner, who was already rushing into this before. The bottom fell out did mm-hmm. not and that's really what did them in yeah yeah it sucked man yeah for a lot of reasons mm-hmm. yes so yeah all not right yet meanwhile you did guys didn't it didn't make the show notes but i'll say it bad bunny latin american pop station superstar is going to play el muerto in the next spider-man villain movie that's right el muerto who appeared in two editions of peter david's friendly neighborhood spider-man he's gonna the- appear what in a movie called el muerto about a evil professional wrestler who was an enemy of spider-man um, in two issues of friendly neighborhood spider-man the third rung spider-man book from the aughts 
and they're doing a movie it's with Bad Bunny I International don't... Latin American. Superstar. What the f- part of me doesn't feel like that movie is going to get made? I would. I'm surprised. I'm shocked this Craven movie is getting made. Yet here we are. I can't believe Morbius is a thing. Yeah. Well, neither can neither can the people that made it now. What's the problem? <laughs> I mean, that's the thing. Sony's doing it too. Sony's like, what is tan- what is Spider tangential? What can we do? And without like, Spider Man, we have to do everything Spider Man, but without it worked with Venom. That's the problem. The Venom movie worked. But that's you know, I think you get lucky and then you I know and you just I know, I know. Like hopefully they're learning their lesson from uh Morbius, Morbius. but here comes yeah. Craven. There's one good Craven story, one it's when he died. So oh, at God. least there's only gonna be one of those movies, then, right? Of course not. <laughs> Spider-Man's not in it. I mean, like the Sony people are far like I we we get on Warner. The Sony people are far more desperate, but it doesn't seem like they're quite as stretched as warner gets themselves right this is true yeah i mean because i mean sony's got more going for it than warner brothers does yes but i mean there's also no sony like sony kind of they tried to make PlayStation. remember the playstation network was going to be a thing and that really didn't happen and they've been very hesitant to like do their own streaming service they've kind of been like we'll just sit back here yeah there's one other thing now that you're saying it bad bunny coming soon in el muerto (laughs) I just don't um, understand. Who's that <laughs> actor who the the British actor who played Elton John in the the biopic? Oh yeah, yeah. Jeez, what's his name? It's got a he's got a funny name. Hang tight. I'll pull up IMDb. The rumor going around now is that there he's in talks on, and he's denied it. He's in talks to play Wolverine in the MCU. What was the Elton John movie called? <laughs> I don't remember. He was also in the Kingsman, right? He was the main been. guy in the kingsman oh yeah i got it i got it i got it uh uh, uh rocket man Ter- Ter- i thought so yeah. taron edgerton there you go yes and i don't know i don't see it and As he's Wolverine? denied it i hope that's just a rumor he's denied it though he has said he would be excited to do it but again there were a bunch of actors who were rumored and denied it and ended up being the in the part well that's the Rudd. you're when you have it like you can't win right if you say no, I'm not in it. Like, ah, yep, you're in it. Of course, you're like, you can't win. You know? No, 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 no. So I do not see that at all. Like, I, I mean, other you than kind, short, you, you, you kind, you kind of got what's his face, big strong man, the, the, the outgoing Wolverine. Yeah, Hugh Jackman. You kind of got that if if you watched him in stuff before you could you could almost you could see him playing it but this guy i don't know we do this a lot yeah um, i know people were like that too with with heath ledger as the joker and that wound up being like an epic performance so i mean whatever maybe i'm not seeing it personally but i'm of the mind that why especially if we're bringing hell if especially if you know we don't know for sure but we heard patrick stewart's voice we'll talk about it next week patrick stewart's voice in in the new doctor strange Mm-hmm. That, in my mind, that means you know he Jackman's still on the table. Yeah, because he's yeah. from at least two different timelines, of right? And already. they brought in—I I, still—they did that on purpose, right? When they brought in the other Scarlet Witch or the other Quicksilver on the on the Scarlet Witch show, mm-hmm. right? yeah, that stuff is teasing, you know, the Fox universe. So, and the, we know the Deadpool movie is going to happen eventually. So, this stuff is still on the table in my mind. Yeah, it'll be interesting, and, and but like we've said too with Deadpool. You can just bring him in. You don't need to explain. Yeah, you don't need to set up anything with Deadpool. But like again, this stuff is on the table with Deadpool. All right. So 
that's all the news we've got. So we're going to take a quick commercial break and we'll be right back with something else. Hmm. After these messages, we'll be right back. All right, we're back, boys and girls, and we're going to wrap up this week with an interview. While I was at the Fan Philly Expo, yeah, Fan Expo Philadelphia, I met Jeffrey Gritman and Kristen Kist. They are the creators of Prison Dad. It's a book series that it doesn't compete with you at all, JD. It's, there is no, no competitors. There are no it's competitors. A, it's a comedy sci-fi series about a guy who fathered a lot of illegitimate children, and they all have short little adventures. So it's a book. Each book is a bunch of short stories in it. And like they were, they were just like, I walked up to the table and, and Jeffrey was there and we were just talking and he was a really nice guy and, and, and got along. And like the book was, the, the concept was just so funny. I'm like, oh, I want to do an interview. So talk to him. So without any further ado, here are the creators of Prison Dad. All right, everyone still here at the great, I uh, know. I was about to say the Great Philly Comic Con, but no, that's not even around no, anymore. That's where we met the first time. <laughs> the, uh, we're here at Fan Expo Philly 2022 with Jeffrey Gritman and Kristen Kist. Oh, Hello. I, I, Hello. I am, I am so bad with names. It's not a problem. It's, <laughs> it's like all right, Sunday. Steve. I get you. <laughs> <laughs> and you guys are the creative team behind Prison Dad. That's right. That's right. So why don't you give our listeners the elevator pitch for Prison Dad? Sure. So, Prison Dad is a crazy set of stories about our, uh, you know, ne'er-do-well hero, Les Gum. Um, he's in and out of jail, and he has so many illegitimate children that it's it's completely ridiculous. Um, but Statistically impossible. Yeah, absolutely. But, um, you know, you'll find out why later in the series. Um, but he and his friends go on all kinds of fun adventures, so it's a sci-fi comedy series. Each book is basically like a season of a TV series. Okay. And each... Uh, they're, each chapter is basically a short story that tells about a different adventure that Les and his friends go through. So we've had them abducted by aliens. They get drunk with Sasquatch. They've body swapped. They've time traveled. Um, anything that we can think of or that we've seen in movies that we're like, that would be cool. Let's do this to Les. That's what happens to Les. It's great. And something that we, that we people like know us for and they'll, they'll come up to us at cons is we wrote a story uh, together. Each book has like five, uh, ten stories, five she writes, five I write. Right. And uh, what we wrote together was uh, the concept. After watching like, Sharknado 2 or 3, I was like, okay, what do our characters hate? Oh, they hate squirrels. Unlike Squirrel Twister, Squirrel, not squirrel cane So squirrel cane was born as a hurricane of squirrels that attacks a trailer park. And, um, you know, our, our heroes aren't exactly the gun-wielding kind of people. So right. what do they have to defend themselves from these rabid mutant squirrels that attack? And if you see, you know, we, we sell the mutant squirrels. Um, <laughs> and so there's Squirrel King 1, there's Squirrel King 2, and there's Squirrel King 3. Dawn of the Squirrels. Yeah, the Squirrel Queen, based off of our... One, the, the squirrels actually get to wear tiny little suits of armor, which I absolutely <laughs> loved. So... They're arming themselves like orcs, like outside of the, the tower in Isengard. Where's the genesis of an idea like this come from? Sure. So Jeff and I would let, we've been friends forever, and we were hanging out in bars, like drinking beers, and we were like, "What if there was this guy?" And you know, every episode of the show, he's just like this hot mess, and he he's in jail, and every episode he has a different child that's like just shows up right. and asks for advice, and they're all his. So that's kind of where it started off. And then our friends would always be like, tell us a prison dad story. And we just started making stuff up and being like, how about this? 
And so then we were sitting around, um, you know, hanging out, and, I, and we just were like, let's start writing these stories down. It was when you moved. Yeah. It all started when you moved close to where I live. Yeah. We lived at the time, and, and we were like, seriously, like three blocks apart, and we were hanging out all the time. Yeah, and we both had laptops, so we were. I was taking, like, writing classes, so I'm an English right. major, and I really missed it. So he was like, let's write these stories down together. And so we did, and, like, we got to the point where we had a whole bunch and we really wanted to pitch it as a TV show, but, like, my uncle, John, um, he had written some films, and I knew, like, when right. he sold them, they completely changed what his story was. So I was like, that's cool, but we should put them in, like, book form first so that we can get them copyrighted and we can, like, show people what we thought. And then if we ever sell them as TV shows, like, right. people can do whatever, but... So we're 100% self-published yes. uh, through Amazon. So what we do is, um, we write, you know, like I said, we reach write five stories. Kristen is a amazing editor. She takes my stories and just spins them into gold. Well, okay. We're both really funny. I'm not taking all the credit. And then, um, then I, you know, I have graphics background. Um, so I do the silly artwork and uh, the formatting. You know, you did, you actually, I think you formatted the first book, and then I copied that formatting for the next <laughs> six. When you self-publish, you have to, like, follow a certain format, which yes. we learned about. Anyway, but it's really cool. I mean, I'm so grateful that there's this whole self-publishing movement now. Because we've gotten to sell hundreds of books, which is amazing. Like, that wouldn't have happened in the right. 70s. No, I mean, actually, one of the co-hosts on the show uh, is an author, and he self-publishes through Amazon. And Yeah, like, you know, he's he, he's tried to, he actually started out doing comics, okay. but, oh, yeah. like, it was difficult to find artists that he could work with and, and, and stuff. So he's like, I've always loved writing. I'm just going to write books. And But, yeah, like, he's like, it, it's so great now. Like, you can just... But, I mean, he has a, uh, an editor that he works with, but still. Right. Yeah, just put him out on Amazon. and. It's no, but I mean, like, yeah, like, that's exactly right. Like, because even if you do get published by, like, a publishing house, mm -hmm. most of the time you have to do your own publicity anyway. Right, exactly. So it's more just getting it out there, and then, you know, we do our own sales and publicity and, you know, advertising, and it's fun. It's great. We don't, we don't do a lot. Like, we do more of the in-person sales than having like the online sales which right. is really weird in this day and age but the name might be a hard sell but when we come to cons people know us and they'll buy a book and then the next year they'll buy two books and then the next year you know we do the same one they'll come by and they'll buy the rest of the books and and you know this keeps happening like oh i finished that so long ago and i keep meaning to get the other one then buy all of them right that's what happens we did a reading one year about a, a story at the end of volume six right it was the one we wrote together it's called cat and it's about, um, it's based off of, oh, I can't remember the name of the movie. Yeah, it, had, it had, uh, it had Xander in it. But it's a, it's a dimensional swapping movie where they're right. having a dinner party and, and the lights go out and they, 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 uh, keep driving. In a different dimension. Yeah. So then we did that, but we had like all these different dimensions where like silly sitcom characters like Alf show up. Okay. And they have to like interact with them. And it, we had so much fun writing it. But yeah, we read it at a con and then all these people came up and bought the books after. So we asked for a time that we, we weren't sure if someone could cover our table. Right. So we asked for a time that when uh, the, the dealer room was closed, they gave us 1030 at night, which. <laughs> That's the best time at a con. We thought <laughs> it was going to suck, but like people did show up and they were like laughing because they'd been drinking. So they were, that's like the, per that's a perfect storm for our stories. Yeah. Like if you had a couple cocktails or you smoke something and you sit down and start reading our stories, like you're going to be laughing and you're going to have fun. Do you know how many books we sold for three people listening to uh, our story? 18. 
Wow. <laughs> so it was like it was surreal that like that happened. And then they told their friends and stuff like that. They're like, oh, when did you do a reading? Because like when we re- we read all three Squirrel Crane story, or we read the first two Squirrel Crane stories, the room was filled because yeah. it was like people sitting around listening to stories, and right. it was so, it was amazing. So speaking of cons, right? So this is the first convention set in two years in Philadelphia, right? This is because uh, of the pandemic. Um, so how do you guys feel the convention? Like now they started at the end of last year, but they were all limited capacity. This is the first one that I've been to where there's no limits, yeah. you know, no masks, no vaccine mandates, you know, none of that. Everyone's just here. Um, how do you feel the convention is? Do, I love it. I love being at conventions because I love the energy. I love the excitement. It's so much fun to meet young people who are excited about things and and people our age who like we can connect with on like pop culture references and and the people are doing phenomenal cosplay. Somebody's here is like the salamander woman from Mando. Yes, I saw that. Um, and she has like the whole tank on her back with baby. Like it's incredible. People are really going. Yeah, oh, when food I was line. waiting in the food line. Um, but it's incredible just to be here um, to talk about our books again. I've really missed it. I miss hanging out with this dude and selling our books. And um, I just I love the energy of these types of events because mm-hmm. I'm a big nerd and I love being a nerd and it's so much fun. I don't know how to follow that up because that, <laughs> <laughs> that was an amazing breakdown. Uh, so you know it, it is. You're right. The energy, the people that'll come by, the people will, will flag down. Uh, you know, come talk to us, and you know it's amazing meeting people. The costumes are just outstanding, and this is actually—I know I just have a Jedi robe on. This is the first time I've ever dressed up <laughs> for con in like ten years, five—I don't know how long, seven years of doing this, however long we've been doing it. Um, yeah, it, it, it's not a whole lot of repeat costumes. Um, but the problem with, with having the table though is that I want to look at everything, and yeah. I can't. It, it's impossible. So. Um, you know, I don't know how to do it, but we're going to figure it out. But I have nothing to disagree with what Kristen said. She really summed everything up. So along those lines, too, of being back, um, what did you guys do during the pandemic to, like, keep going and keep your spirits up? And, like, because I know, like, as a creative person, when you can't get out to meet your fans and do stuff, it, it, sometimes it's hard to keep going. Yeah, we took we took a step back. We took a break. Um, unfortunately, my father is really sick, and he passed away in June. So, Sorry. thank you. I was actually um, living with him and my mom and my and my sister and her kids and husband for a while in Florida, um, just to spend time with him. So I wasn't really writing during that time, but I was watching a ton of movies and reading. So now I'm like really excited to get back to writing again. Um, and I yeah. was grateful to have that time with my dad. So it was weird, but I, I'm trying to find like the silver lining around right. the pandemic. And we played a lot of games online. Um, Jeff and I and our friends on Friday nights, we would always play like Jackbox games. Cards against humanity. Cards. And like, so there was a lot of creativity there because we played like a t-shirt game, um, you know, where we draw, you draw and then you put like little slogans. Okay. So that's how I kind of kept, like, my creativity going. Right. Um, but I definitely missed it, and I missed, like, the energy of being around people and, and just sharing our stories. Yeah, yeah, it's fun. You know, I uh, my son is very, uh, very creative when it, when it comes to um, storytelling, and, uh, you know, he has an abundance of Legos. Yes, I love that kid. <laughs> <laughs> the stories he comes up with are, are just amazing. Um, and the characters that he creates. So, you know, he's got the Marvel, he's got the Star Wars, but he likes to play with um, the Lego, like, themed sci-fi series. They don't make too many sci-fi ones anymore because they're all the Star, Star Wars yeah. ones. But, you know, like the Ultra Agents of the Galaxy Squad and those things, like, watching him 
come up with these stories and telling me about it. And be like, Dad, this is what we're going to do after work. Like, these guys are trapped on the mountain. The mountain's his bed. And they can't get off the mountain until they, you know, destroy the, you know, the vortex or whatever. Like, um, and it's, it's just so amazing to sit and listen to his storytelling. Um, so that was one thing. Uh, but I wrote a little bit. It's incredibly difficult to write without Kristen. Uh, I wrote a present dad story. Uh, I worked on some artwork for the new book. I wrote, we came up with, more so you came up with, um, a, a book, like a novel, like a sci-fi novel series, mm-hmm. um, which wasn't initially silly. And then I wrote a lot of it, which I've yet to read you. Um, I wrote three or four chapters and it just ended up being funny, but still, but still like, you know, not like hard, hard sci-fi. Uh, right. so that's in, that's in the works. Uh, so that was a lot of fun. And it was like, I would write a chapter and then I'd like go to bed and I'd almost like be in that state between sleep and dream or, you know, like yeah. not asleep. And I like the next chapter would just come to me. One time I got up in the middle of the night and like went down there and made some like, like outline notes and, and stuff. And, you know, the next day when I turned my work computer on, I'm like, what is this? The story fairy came and granted my wishes. Oh. <laughs> Can't yeah. beat the story fairy. But the games, the games are great. My wife and I play games. Um, we watch a lot of movies, a lot of TV shows. We find it's best. What works for us is to pick one show at a time when it's all over. Yeah. Uh, with the exception of maybe on Disney Plus, because come on, who can wait? So, um, you know, we, we keep, we keep up with that. I am constantly reading, you know, geeky news articles. My phone is a, you know, everybody's phone is a plethora of, of just, <laughs> just so many, like, things you want to read. Um, and then the last five months, I set on playing every Metroid game ever, ever made. <laughs> so I'm on the last one I wanted to play right now. So it's kind of cool. So you guys said you're self-published. You've been working together for a long time. What kind of advice do you give to people who want to start writing? Like, So I think the hardest thing is to actually sit down and do it. And mm-hmm. so, like, Jeff was awesome because in the beginning, like, I... You know, I'm more of an ideas person that I get in my head and then it's really hard for me to sit down and execute. But he made me sit down and do it. And when I do get into it, like, I really love it. And I'm really proud of all the work that we've done. But, yeah, I mean, it's really just part of it is, like, your confidence. Like, you have to believe in yourself and you have to know that you're doing this for yourself. And if other people like it, that's great. But it's really about you sitting down and getting your vision out there. You can't judge yourself when you're writing. You just have to flow with it. And then you go back and edit, and you can clean stuff up and change things. You can have other people read it and give you advice. You know, but don't take other people too seriously. you got to believe in yourself. I think that's that and sitting down and doing it are the hardest parts of writing. Um, but, yeah, just stick with it. If, if you believe in yourself enough, somebody else is going to enjoy your work. And we've found so many people that did, and yeah. that's been incredible. Yeah. What was the question again? <laughs> Advice to people who want to start writing. Uh, what really works for us is routine. Routine and support. Yeah. Um, support my wife. It used to be 3 o'clock on Sundays. I left. I got out of parenting. I go over to Kristen's, and we would we'd write a little bit. We'd probably write about two hours, and then we'd eat dinner. And we'd always have something on, something, you know, something we loved. Usually stuff we've seen before. It's incredibly right. po- it's, it's very difficult to write. If it's something that you've, you've, you, is new to you because right. you're like, Oh, wait a minute. Um, and we would, we would, uh, it was just, it was just routine really worked for us. And then we started the podcast, which we don't have anymore, which we don't need to plug on your podcast <laughs> to take your li- listeners away. Um, and we would, we would come over and we'd review the podcast material first. We'd record it. We'd record the podcast. Um, and then I'd go edit it and upload it. 
and um, you know, and like that—that's what we do. And then we eat dinner together uh, and talk about writing, and then we go write. And it was the routine yeah. worked. And then what happened during the pandemic was I would say to my wife, I'm like, okay, I'm gonna go like tonight. Kid goes to bed. I'm going down there and write for two, three hours. It was an hour of internet browsing. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't do any of that because I was living with my mom, my dad, my sister, and her kids and her husband. So I was either watching my niece and nephew or spending time with my dad. So I really got behind. But I do have I, I do have one story that we finished before the pandemic, and I've been working on a second story about um, a siren that lives in the school kill, which is going to be really great. I'm so excited for that one. I got to sit down and finish it though. <laughs> a lot of great stuff in the new book. Christina's uh, spoof on the horror classic, The Stuff. Uh, we have um, uh, the, throughout the book, starting in book two, there's been this cult that's been kind of following less around. So in the new book, um, the, you actually get to meet the cult members and see what they're doing and how obsessed they are with Prison Dad. Yep. There is um, a, a squirrel octopus hybrid monster living beneath the trailer park that comes out. They have to. Uh, destroy, and that was all. That um, that was like after the Chernobyl miniseries was on, and I was, and it was like the one character was obsessed with it, and like no one else watched it, and they kept calling him like a nerd for like. Like we're doing a whole like B movies yeah. thing with yep. this with this. Yeah, movie. the new book is all B movies. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So the the question we normally like to wrap up on is, how do you measure success? Oh, I think success is just. Feeling like you had a dream and you found a way to realize it. I, I don't think it has anything to do. I mean, it's nice if you make a lot of money, but to me, it's just like I feel successful when I've had a dream and I make it realized in some way. Um, because happiness is a state of mind. It's not about like money or awards and things like that. So I consider us a successful writing team because we finished seven books and we're working on an eighth. And so to me, that that's success and. And I'm having fun, so. I, I think it's I think it's just having fun. Success to me is having fun. Like I love it when people come up to our cons and they start talking about like, oh, I read this story and I love this, and like, um, you know, hearing from friends, you're like, oh, I just finished this one, because right. you know, it, books are incredibly difficult to sell. Nobody wants to read, or people like to collect them and put them on their shelves and not read them. Yes. So to sell a book and to have someone read your book and talk to you about your book is like so rare when you're not, you know, Stephen King or. You know, like uh, uh, someone who does it for a living. I'm, I'm going to keep mine in the bathroom. Yeah, keep it in the bathroom. Spot. Yep. Keep it in the bathroom and feed feed you know your people lots of you know food. Beans. Yeah, beans. <laughs> keep keep them in the bathroom. It's great because they're short stories, so you know you're hanging out for a little bit. Might as well read one. <laughs> so where can people find you guys online? Prisondad.com. And we're on Amazon. All of our books are on Amazon for Kindle and print. Prisondad.com uh, was something I. We've had forever, but just before the pandemic hit, I spent like weeks um, redesigning the site. It's got uh, what we call the Lessopedia. It is an encyclopedia of every character they need to know, uh, every concept that might be brought up. Um, you know, uh, we have brands that we made up, like Snack Smart. He's like our Wawa. Yeah, Lager uh, brand Lager. O'Shaughnessy's hot, hot, hot mess, mess cinnamon, cinnamon whiskey. Yep. <laughs> hot mess cinnamon whiskey is a fun time, and it's a favorite drink of our uh, our characters. Uh, locations and things that you know will come up that you know if it's been a little bit, you know, you get, it's a good refresher. Um, you got links to all the books. You got you know videos of us reading stories, and you got. Uh, links to our podcast and all sorts of other media interviews with us where we'll put this interview on and we'll slap it on there too. All right. 
and again, you guys, you sold me on uh, sex and cursing, so. Yeah, sex and cursing. Thank you so much. Thank That's you right, next person one walks by and be like, hey, you like sex and cursing? <laughs> Thank you so much, Dave. Thank you. All right. Well, there you go. Another one in the book. So let's let's wrap this up with either, again, dealer's choice as usual, recommendation, or what did you learn on the podcast this week? And we'll start with John, because he looks like he has something to say. Oh, no. No, I don't have really anything to say. I mean, what did I learn on the podcast? Yeah. I, I, I tend not to learn anything anymore because I'm old. Yeah. Don't take any rumors for granted, I guess. The recommendations, I would say, oh, I, I have to go back. To, I Well, first off, Moon Knight, I, I think is more, I, I don't know. I, I see a lot of hate for Moon Knight. I don't know why, like... I, I was reading some, there's there's a review site tom tom's hardware and the guy there the reviewer there wrote something about yeah when i saw moon knight episode four that was the nail in the coffin i'm like i don't see it i still think that moon knight is kind of a fun show if you have if you don't have burnout it's you know it's I don't know. I think it's worth watching. You know, I can't wait to see what the last episode brings. So I would say that. And for anime, Spy X Family is probably one of the best things. It's like brain candy. If you want a show that's going to make you laugh out loud and be really cool, that's you check out that anime. It's called Spy X Family. Yeah, that's it. Um, the only thing I would say about the, the Moon Knight criticism is that oh sorry <laughs> no it's nothing I'm not to sneeze on, that dude <laughs> no. um, the one thing i see about people complaining is that though there's not enough moon night in the show but like i don't know i think people forget that like it's about driving character and building character and especially when you get a long format like you're getting six hours to tell the story you're you're building character so like six hour it was it six hours and only like what three 30 million per episode but I don't... like you're not gonna get six hours of a guy running around in a costume fighting demons like a cgi costume too yeah like you're gonna get tired of that after a half hour and then you're like okay what's next like people don't get that like you've got to have character you've got to have a story you know i mean there's people who sit there and say they hated the batman and it's like really did you see the same movie i did there are people so that, that hate it i don't get it there are people yeah, yeah that yeah. doesn't make any sense how about you, JD? I watched the first three episodes of Samurai Rabbit. <gasps> oh, I heard Chronicles. that was on. Yeah, yes. how was it? I enjoyed it. It's not what I thought. I thought it was going to be a straight adaptation of Usagi Ujimbo. It is not. It is his descendant in Neo Edo. And it's about a kid who worships his ancestor, Miyamoto Usagi. And it's fun so far. I quite, I quite enjoy it. Okay. That's on Netflix, right? Netflix, yeah, it's on Netflix. Uh, so if you if you're familiar with Usagi Ujimbo, most people, the Stan Scott, I can't remember his last name, uh, long running comic series about a wandering rabbit samurai who appeared in some Ninja Turtle stuff, both the original series and the 2012 series. So if you are familiar with Usagi Ujimbo from there, or Miyamoto Usagi is the character is really known, you uh, you should know. You should have fun. It's a fun show. It's a fun show. I quite enjoy it so far. I'm going to have to put that on my list because, yeah, that was that was something I was interested in. But now, now you got me. Yeah, I thought that's what I thought you might like. It. it was I was entertained. Like I said, I get to see the kids show sometimes. I cool. learned that JD has a hairy ass. Mm -hmm. I think that's the most important lesson 
to take from this uh, episode. Uh, that you, you just no. But. No, no, I would okay. not care to see your hairy ass, JD. Sorry. Very Leave hairless, that for yes. your wife. Hair, she don't like that either. But she understands <laughs> that shaving a butt is just not realistic. Very hairless from the waist up. From the uh... waist down, quite fuzzy. <laughs> quite fuzzy. I also have a Kickstarter that's in time you listen to this show, two days to close for final 48 hours. The Wolfstone Saga. I just, oh, I came, I was on, I was on Take a Knee and I came, he's like, give me the elevator pitch. And believe it or not, I never did the elevator pitch before. So I, I couldn't think about it. Katniss Everdeen in the Marvel Universe. Really like that one. And Ooh. I got a brand thing too, is I write books to people who like comics. Oh. I like that one. That's going to be on, that's going on the website. So yes, come and contribute um, to the Kickstarter final. I can kill you. I have another person I have to kill. Someone else jumped on board. All right. Still, still awesome. plenty of, still plenty of people worth killing. Come on, everybody. I've done it twice already. Jump, three times. jump, jump three. on. It's fun. I recommend. I'm waiting, someone, I'm waiting for the day someone goes, you kill a guy named John O'Grady in every book you write. I'm going to go, yes. You must really hate him. <laughs> what did he do? <laughs> well, I recommend that you head over to superheroespeak.com where you can find the podcast every week. Links to our social media at the top of the page and comic book reviews by our good friend D-Square. And make sure... You go this weekend and see Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. Because, of course, that's what we'll be talking about next week on the podcast. Cannot wait. Yeah. Until then, as always, thanks for listening. And don't let your cape caught in the door. Have a good week.